Well, good morning, PPH. It's a joy to bring you God's word from my home here in Singapore. And the title this morning for our message is Admits the Darkness Comes a Message of Hope. So what is good about today? I mean, what is good about Jesus being crucified? You know, when I read through the story of the crucifixion of Jesus, I envisage the agony I am envisage the pain that he must be going through. I hear the crowds cheering and I hear them laughing at him and I hear the soldiers mocking him, telling him if he is the son of God, then to come down. And then I hear the sound of the nails going through his hands, through his flesh and bone into that wooden cross. Really? We call this good? Well, you know, the phrase uh, Good Friday used to bother me until I really understood the significance of it and the meaning of it. In many other countries, it's called Holy Friday. Some call it Sacred Friday. And some think that it comes from the phrase God's Friday, much in the same way that God or goodbye means God be with you. So today is a bittersweet day for us, isn't it, as Christians? You know what I mean? On one hand, it's the day when Jesus faced his trial and his crucifixion, and he was killed and sacrificed on that cross. And on the other hand, we know it's a wonderful day because we know Sunday is coming. But right now, right now we see the cross is coming. It's Friday, and I want you to see things through the eyes of the disciples this morning. And hopefully, by the end of this message, you will better understand what is good about Good Friday. Because we're going to see an example of tremendous love poured out for you and for me. We can only imagine how dark the events of Friday must have been to the followers of Jesus after witnessing all he had done and the hope he gave. Today is Friday, but we know Sunday is coming for his disciples. For his friends and family, they weren't so sure. So I want us to track back five days to Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And we're going to pick up the story there. And for the most part this morning, we're going to be reading large parts of Scripture, particularly from Matthew 27. So I want you to let the Scripture speak into your own hearts as you read it on the screen and as you hear it. I want you to put yourself in the scene. Matthew 21. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfil what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, fool, of a donkey. 
the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So try to put yourself into that scene. Imagine you're walking with Jesus along the road that leads from Bethany down to the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. And I want you to feel the emotions of the day. If you listen, you can hear the crowds, maybe a hundred thousand or more. Can you picture it? Use your imagination and think of a time when you've been in a large crowd. Can you think of when you've been in a large crowd, like a sports stadium, and there's lots of joyous people, and they're excited and they're cheering. In the distance, you hear chants. But you can't make out the words, but then you hear them chanting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Look around and you see the brightly coloured holiday clothes of the Jew Jewish pilgrims. Passover is not for several days yet, but the people are restless. And there's gossip going around and people are saying that the Christ has revealed himself, that the Messiah has arrived. Use your imagination just for a moment more. Can you feel the people pressing and pushing together as they gather along the road? Can you smell, smell the dust? Can you smell, can you see the donkeys? What about people's body odour? You can't miss it in a crowd, can you? So why was Jesus on a donkey? Firstly, there weren't many horses. Only the rich rode horses. And secondly, horses were associated with war. After a king had won a victory in battle, he would ride on a horse into the conquered city. But when Jesus, but when Jesus came into the city riding on a donkey, it was a symbol of peace. You know, he didn't come driving in a on a motorbike or a Lamborghini or a Porsche or a limousine or even a Rolls Royce, but he came on a donkey to declare peace. And here is the truth I want us to grasp this morning. Jesus did not come to meet their expectations, nor does he promise to meet ours. He came to meet our needs. Let me say that again, because this is a very important point for us to ponder this morning, as we think of the meaning of the cross. Jesus did not come to meet their expectations nor does he promise to meet ours. He came to meet our needs. I wondered if the disciples really understood what Jesus had asked them to do. When talking about the donkey and colt, Jesus gives the disciples the exact words that they should say, just in case anyone questioned them. They are to say, the Lord needs them. Now, although the disciples didn't understand what was going on, 
because they were obedient. Notice that once the disciples say to the owners of the donkeys, the Lord needs them, there's no argument. The owners willingly give them. Let me ask you this morning, as I asked myself preparing this message, what is the most important thing in your life right now? Is it your money? Is it your house? Is it your car? Or something else that's very dear to you? You see, your answer will tell you a lot about yourself. Tells you a lot about ourselves. So ask yourself, if Jesus came by and said, I have need of that. Or I have need of those things. Whatever it is, would we give it? Or would we hold on to it? God has given us many things. Do we actually remember that they come from him? Our gifts, our resources, even our time, our children, our jobs, our interests, our, our, uh, our material possessions. They all belong to him. Perhaps this morning, he's asking you, as he's been asking me to give him more of my time during this uh, coronavirus, COVID-19 crisis. Well, as Jesus rides towards the city, the crowd would have been growing in size. Jerusalem would have been bursting to capacity with people because they were there for that annual Passover. Even before Jesus arrived, the news had spread that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. Can you imagine the excitement? Can you imagine as you're traveling along the road, people are talking to you, they're putting out palm branches, you're watching them, and they're shouting Hosanna to the king of David. I wonder what Jesus was thinking. Can you imagine just the emotions going through his head that day? Amongst the crowd, there'd be those who loved him. You know, perhaps uh, Bartimaeus was there. Remember, he was the beggar who received his sight. What about Zacchaeus? He was the one who paid back debt to society. What about the lepers that were healed? Perhaps they were there now to say thank you in that crowd. They're healing them. Perhaps Jairus' daughter was there, back to life again. Lazarus, Mary, yes, Martha, Mary Magdalene, they were all there. The Sadducees, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, they were all there with their jealous hearts and they watched him. So can you identify with what Jesus was feeling on that day, all the emotions? You see, he knew their hosannas which soon turned to crucify, crucify him. They were all in Jerusalem that day. Loving faces, sinister faces, anxious faces, crowds trampling upon one another, they're chanting away. For many of them, they don't understand what they're singing. They haven't got a clue. You see, the word Hosanna means Lord, save us. I wonder how many were asking 
the law to save them from a physical, in a physical sense, from the Roman Empire, and not in a spiritual sense. Luke 19 tells us as Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Scripture tells us that Jesus reacted emotionally many times. He had compassion when he saw the poor. He had compassion when he saw the hungry. He had compassion when people sinned. He had compassion when they were sick. But it only tells us twice that Jesus cried. And the first time was at the grave of Lazarus, along with Mary and Martha. And he entered into their grief with compassion. And he identified with their sorrow and their despair. So why is Jesus crying over Jerusalem? Well, I can't help but think that he saw just how empty people's lives were without him. They had not heard the message of peace. They did not understand the purpose of his coming. They had eyes to see, but they didn't see. They had ears to hear, but they didn't hear. And they missed the whole point of his coming. These were God's people. These were God's chosen people. But they did not understand the Messiah when he walked in the midst of them. And because of that, I think Jesus wept. Let's now fast forward five days from the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We're still in Jerusalem, but it's Friday. The voices of the crowd change from waving palm branches and chanting, Hosanna, Hosanna, to crucify him, crucify him. Remember, for three years, Jesus had taught the people. For three years, he had healed these people. For three years, he had fed people. And for three years, he'd offered them peace, he'd offered them grace, he'd offered them forgiveness. But regardless of how the people of Jerusalem had felt when they welcomed Jesus on that previous Sunday, some of them, some of the same people, were now turning against him. Let's pick up the reading in Matthew 27. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied, that's your responsibility. So Jesus, Jesus, Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. Judas knew Jesus and he knew what he could do. He had witnessed his miracles, yet he chose to betray him. He then realizes the enormity of what he has just done in betraying Jesus. But he obviously doesn't think that God can or will forgive him. So he takes his own life, he commits suicide. 
and we have to ask the question, where were Judas's friends in this desperate hour? We also have to answer the question, where were Jesus's friends and all these people who just five days ago were with him? Perhaps you feel the same as Jesus did. It's Friday for you and your friends have deserted you. They're not there for you when you most need them. I have good news for you. Because amidst the darkness comes a message of hope. Take heart. Have hope. Trust in God. It may be Friday, but Sunday is coming. Matthew 27, verse 11. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? We have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge to the great amazement of the governor. Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who's called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took the water, washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It's your responsibility. All the people answered, his blood is on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. But he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. It was Friday. False witnesses testified against Jesus. But still, Pilate found nothing wrong. So he gave the crowd a choice. He would either release the well-known criminal called Barabbas, whose name means son of a liar and a murderer, or he would release Jesus, the son of God, the Messiah. And as you know, the crowd chose 
Barabbas, the son of a liar and a murderer over the Son of God. Perhaps you feel the same as Jesus did. It's Friday for you and you've been falsely accused. Others have told lies about you and you're starting to feel the strain. Perhaps you felt it for a long time and now you're feeling unloved and you're feeling unwanted. You feel like trash or rubbish and you're struggling. You're just struggling in every way. I have good news for you. Amidst the darkness comes a message of hope. Take heart. Have hope. Trust in God. It may be Friday, but Sunday is coming. Matthew 27, verse 27. And the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. Well, on that Friday, the soldiers wove a crown of thorns together and they pushed it down on Jesus' head. No doubt they pierced his skin and more blood ran down his face. What mockery, what a... What shame he bore for us. As well as the thorns, they mocked him and they put a purple cloth on him. Matthew 27, verse 32. As they were going out, they met a man from Serene named Simon and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the, the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. They placed the heavy cross on his shoulders and they made him carry it through the streets. The crowd jeered and the crowd they mocked him. Simon of Serene was then made to carry his cross as Jesus couldn't do it himself. Perhaps you feel the same as Jesus did. It's Friday for you and the pressures of your job, pressures of the home, start to worry you down. Perhaps you're worried for your own health or your family's health. Perhaps you're worried about the outbreak of the COVID-19 virus. Perhaps you're feeling the financial pressures at this time 
and all the joy has been sucked out of life. Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting after Skype meeting after Skype meeting after WhatsApp meetings, and you just left totally fatigued. I have good news for you. Amidst the darkness, there comes a message of hope. Take heart. Have hope. Trust in God. It may be Friday, but Sunday is coming. Matthew 27, verse 38. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right, one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself, come down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar and put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tomb after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. And darkness covered the city. Jesus was on the cross hanging between two thieves. The soldiers below were casting lots for his clothing. The crowd are cheering or jeering. He saved others, let him save himself. It was Friday. And the thief on the cross says, remember me when, remember me when you come to your throne. It was Friday and Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was Friday and Jesus experiences for the first time in his life, separation from the Father. 
curtain was torn in two. Curtain of the temple, that is. The centurion standing there confessed, Surely this is the Son of God. It was Friday, and Jesus died. Perhaps this is Friday for you. And you feel surrounded by darkness in this season of your life. Perhaps it feels like you're all alone. Perhaps you're suffering with uh, anxiety. Some of you will be going through a time of depression, which seems to drag on and on and on. And there are no easy answers and there are no quick fixes or quick miracles. And it's in these times that we have to wait. Waiting is never easy. But we need to keep trusting and we need to have patience when everything seems hopeless. Listen, listen. Amidst the darkness comes a message of hope. Take heart. Have hope. Trust in God. It may be Friday, but Sunday is coming. Matthew 27, verse 57. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for the for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. It was Friday when they took him from the cross and laid him in a tomb. And then they sealed it up. The disciples must have been devastated and stressed. Can you imagine? Perhaps this morning you feel the walls closing in around you and there's no way out. Perhaps you're feeling stressed and you're overcome with worries. Perhaps with this coronavirus lockdown, this is how you're feeling just now. All the different emotions we've Mentioned today, this is how Jesus must have felt on that Friday. I have good news for you. Amidst the darkness comes a message of hope. Take heart. Have hope. Trust in God. It may be Friday, but Sunday is coming. Let me finish. No matter what the world has done to us, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He who overcame the world will strengthen us daily. Do we believe that? You see, Good Friday was the day when everything fell apart for the disciples. It was also a day when everything fell apart for his family and for his friends. It was so everything was lost. This man claiming to be the son of God, the promised Messiah. So they thought he was supposed to change everything and usher everything in, that God's kingdom in. But he'd just been crucified. And Jesus told them, 
he would die, and three days later the temple would be restored. Well, they they just didn't grasp it. For now their hopes had just been shattered. They were in a dark place and wanted just to curl up and, and hide. And for us, Friday, isn't it? It's that email or call to tell you your loved one has coronavirus. It's the call from the doctor to tell you that your own cancer has reappeared. It's the news that a family member has died. It's the news that you've just lost your job. Friday is the day when it all falls apart and hope is lost. And we all have Fridays. But as the saying goes, amidst the darkness comes a message of hope. Take heart. Have hope. Trust in God. It may be Friday, but Sunday is coming. Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. It was his faith and belief in his Father that kept him going, that gave him that strength to submit to Friday. Listen, Sunday is coming, but first we must live through the darkness and seemingly uh, hopelessness of Friday. You know, and I guess... Good Friday is good after all, isn't it? Because it's an example of tremendous love poured out for you and for me. It tells me no matter who or who I am or what I've done in life that I am loved. When Friday makes no sense, remember that Sunday is coming because he conquered death. And for those of us who have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, and we've invited him into our hearts. He has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. We have the victory and we will live with him forever and ever. We'll make sure to tune in again to the PPH channel for Easter Sunday's message and you will hear much more about the risen Christ and all he's done for you. Let's pray. Father, we bow our heads to say thank you for Friday. Thank you for Jesus' ultimate sacrifice, for his willingness to submit to the cross so that we might live. And some of us are struggling this morning, but we know you understand because you experienced so many similar emotions during your lifetime, and particularly that Holy Week and lead up to Good Friday. Some of our hearts are heavy, and so we ask you to lead us through the darkness of these days, to the light and life of Easter once again. Thank you, because you've given us the assurance that you are the resurrection and the life. Let those who believe in you will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in you will never die. We know amidst the darkness comes a message of hope. And it is this, that Sunday is coming and you arose from the dead so that we might know the forgiveness of sins and have eternal life with you. So Father, as we approach Sunday, help us to remember all that Jesus did for us and let us rejoice and be thankful. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Lord Jesus, despite 
all the bad news of that Friday. On your impending trial and crucifixion, you anchored yourself in the Father. Help us to do that today. Amen. And finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, says the Apostle Paul, put it into practice and the God of peace be with you. Amen.